Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Great America Show. And our issue of the day is the January 6th trespassing incident that occurred on Capitol Hill 15 months ago. You may have heard about that. The radical left, the Dems, decided to turn those events that day into an opportunity, political theater. The Biden Justice Department and FBI conducting themselves as the police state political enforcers, I believe they've become. Speaker Pelosi and Congress creating a media carnival and kangaroo court of partisans that have used up the manpower and resources of the FBI and the Department of Justice for the sole purpose of serving the Democrats, the Marxist left, as well as the deep state. At least 800 of our fellow citizens have been charged. A few broke laws that day. But not many, a handful. The rest are victims of the overbearing state powers unleashed by Democratic leaders. The trials have begun. Dozens remain in jail as millions of dollars have been spent to, it seems, intimidate and break our fellow citizens who might think they're in the former Soviet Union rather than the United States of America. Today, the first outright acquittal came an energy department contract engineer by the name of Matthew Martin from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Martin also is the first defendant to testify in his own defense. Martin said that day he had never been to the Capitol before, didn't know it was off limits to demonstrators. In fact, Martin said he and others were waved in by one of two police officers who were standing guard. His trial lasted a day and a half a bench trial decided by District Court Judge Trevor McFadden, appointed by President Donald Trump. And we should point out, Judge McFadden ruled against President Trump on the issue of his tax returns. In acquitting Martin of all charges, all misdemeanors, by the way, Judge McFadden said the video showed, quote, people streaming by and the police officers made no attempt to stop the people that federal prosecutors are even bringing these misdemeanor cases against private citizens, rally goers and demonstrators, and ultimately a few rioters is an outrage in my opinion. And thank God we have a few judges like McFadden who go to the trouble and compared prosecutor recommendations in this case, the one sixers trials compared to recommendations made by the prosecutors in a case against left-wing activists, the group, code pink. The prosecutors wanted in a separate January 6th case, 75 days in jail and a year probation. For the leftists, they asked 10 days. The judge ultimately sentenced him, the left-wing activist, that is, to six days. Well, with us now, Matthew Martin's defense attorney, Dan Cron, a highly respected New Mexico defense attorney, And Dan, it is great to have you with us, and we thank you for being with us here on The Great America Show. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. It's just an extraordinarily uh, important ruling today by Judge McFadden. 
uh, to dismiss these misdemeanor charges to acquit your client. Uh, your your thoughts about first of all uh, the, what happened today in that courtroom as the judge made uh, his decision. Well, I would say the first thing is that uh, coming from the defense point of view, um, what we always hope for is uh, just to have uh, a fair day in court. And, um, you know, a fair day isn't necessarily defined by whether you win or lose, um, but uh, whether your case is both heard and you can present the case you want to present, and, uh, you know, that uh, the trier of fact um, is attentive and, you know, listens to the details. And we were very fortunate uh, to have Judge McFadden do exactly that. And so uh, the the first observation is we were, you know, happy to be able to present our case and have it listened to uh, impartially. Um, You know, beyond that, um, you know, Judge McFadden's ruling was uh, he he made several findings of fact and those findings of fact were very detailed and all were um, um, tied to specific places in the record and so um, we had actually come to Washington for uh, Coy Griffin's trial when it happened And uh, that was one of the first things that struck me about Judge McFadden was that he was very detail oriented and had the capacity to see through, um, you know, hyperbole. And so uh, we we were very fortunate uh, in that regard. And uh, like I say, we we are are just all we wanted was a fair day in court. And that's what we got. A fair day in court. Uh, it, the decision to have a bench trial rather than a jury trial. Uh, give us your th- your thinking and that of your client on that issue. That decision, um, you know, we had to evaluate uh, whether we thought we would be uh, better off in in front of uh, you know a jury. Um, you know, and, and that can cut both ways. Uh, in order for uh, a jury to convict, um, all 12 have to agree. Uh, whereas with respect to uh, a, uh, you know, having a bench trial, uh, you know, there's, you know, one person, only one person has to uh, uh, find against you. And, you know, right. and, and then it's, you know, it's it's a a, a guilty finding, um, but you know, in in this case, um, we felt that it was uh, you know there were a lot of uh, factual issues tied to uh, intricacies with uh, the law. And so we wanted, uh, you know, to to have uh, uh, a legal mind uh, be the one to meld those two things together. 
and make the decision so that, you know, um, the decision wouldn't be based on actions of, of other people. Um, we wanted, uh, you know, uh, we, we thought that uh, a judge would be better positioned to take um, the emotion out of it and just deal with the facts and the law. Taking the, the emotion out, the, the facts of it, is, do you have knowledge of what other uh, defendants are doing? Are they uh, choosing uh, bench trials rather than uh, jury trials, or is there any predominant choice being made? I really don't know. Um, and, you know, because we've just been concentrated on uh, Matt's case, and uh, that's that's had us extremely busy. Yes, it, I'm sure it did. Uh, how long have you been working on this case uh, since uh, he came to you for your your representation? Uh, Matt came to me um, probably. Let me think. Uh, I think he came to me six days after um, January 6th. So I've been working on it ever since then. It's amazing. And this is, and, and to remind our audience, these are four di- uh, misdemeanors. Uh, we were talking about trespass. Uh, it's uh, effectively. Uh, how, how does a misdemeanor get to this level of uh, of expense and energy expended on the part of the prosecutors, the investigators, and then brought to trial. This seems like a onerous uh, burden on the taxpayer and the resources, frankly, of our Justice Department, the FBI. Well, we were uh, frankly surprised that they brought the charges given the circumstances. Um, And it's fair to say that um, they threw everything at us uh, that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, they had three lawyers who made entries of appearance uh, in the case. And uh, there were uh, also, I know, other lawyers uh, who, you know, were not officially entered in the case, but they were working on it. And uh, many, many support staff people. And so um, it was, you know, it was honestly a David versus Goliath kind of a situation. Um, And, you know, we had, there there have been these huge um, uh, dumps of uh, um, discovery that have been made. And we ended up having to uh, try to make our way through, uh, I think there were something like 27,000 various videos. um, And, you know, we had to make our way through them to be able to find the ones that were uh, pertinent to Matt's case. Now, did did the Justice Department, did they give you your own copy of that video, or did you have to go to some place and to see that video? Um, uh, There's a portal uh, set up uh, that we would access. And and how, give us a sense of of that 27,000 hours. Give us a sense of how much of it actually affected 
your case uh, and Matt's appearance uh, in that video? Well, that was part of the challenge, uh, was trying to figure out um, which of those videos were pertinent to our case. And, you know, it, it took a long time. I mean, we spent hundreds of hours um, working our way through uh, uh, to find the evidence that uh, we ultimately presented in court that resulted in his acquittal. How, how did how did Matthew react uh, uh, when the judge made his uh, ruling? Well, to tell you the truth, we're both so exhausted <laughs> that uh, it's been uh, um, um, we we really haven't had the time to process it yet. So you know, it goes without saying that uh, Matt, uh, uh, you know, and I uh, are very grateful for it. Um, and, you know, frankly, it, it hasn't set in yet. Well, it, it is certainly, uh, as you know, well, uh, America is watching this very carefully. Uh, we have so many of hundreds of our fellow citizens uh, being treated uh, in ways in which we have not, we haven't seen the likes uh, in this, uh, in modern history, certainly in this country. Uh, it, it is, how, how long was the sentence? Uh, how long a sentence could he have gotten for had he been convicted and the judge thrown the book at him? Uh, there was a total of three years of exposure. Oh my gosh. For 10 minutes inside the Capitol. Yes. It doesn't, as it, a well-known legal practitioner, I, I'd like to just get your sense, first of all, uh, in this, of uh, how do you react to this kind of prosecutorial, I'll be kind, I'll call it zeal. Uh, we know it's far more than zeal. But your reaction to just the conduct, uh, the attitude uh, of the prosecutors. Well, um, this is, um, uh, there, there are many cases that I have been involved with over the years where um, it's, it's been difficult to understand uh, you know, the zeal with which uh, the prosecution has come after a client. And, and th this, this was just one of them. I mean, this isn't something that uh, um, I haven't experienced before. Uh, the country, though, really hasn't experienced this before. Uh, we've never seen an instance where our private citizens, our fellow citizens, are being charged with, uh, for, and I understand that there were serious felonies committed by some, but it's such a small number within that entire group of rally goers and demonstrators and protesters and then the rioters that it, it, it just doesn't, it seems there is no countervailing influence here, no reason, no judgment. Uh, from any form of leadership, either in the legal profession, in, uh, I, I don't know, the community uh, in, in which we protest this kind of conduct uh, by prosecutors, because it is overreaching, it is overbearing, uh, and it is devastating uh, to people like your client. I, I can't even imagine what this has done to his life. Well, it's turned it upside down, that's for sure. Um, you know, um, when, uh, 
when all of this first happened and Matt first contacted me, we uh, spent uh, a lot of time um, going through uh, what had happened and what, you know, what his experience was that day. And, um, you know, something that uh, folks probably don't understand is that um, there, the, the experience that people had uh, was quite different uh, from the west side of the Capitol to the east side of the Capitol. Uh, the images that uh, you see on television uh, came from, um, you know, uh, the, the images of the violence and, and you know, the, the truly bad stuff that happened, happened on the west side. Matt was never on the west side. Uh, he never, he was only on the east side and he never uh, witnessed uh, any of, of that violence. And so really it wasn't until he got back into his hotel room and started watching the news that uh, he started to realize uh, what had gone on on the other side. And as I say, it, it was, uh, uh, I think that most people don't understand that. It was almost like it was two separate events uh, in, in terms of uh, what the experience was uh, on the west side as opposed to the east side. What was the difference? Why was one side uh, violent and the other side also entering the Capitol, but doing so in an orderly fashion, uh, even lackadaisical fashion? What was the difference? Uh, actually, I think it was just proximity, um, you know, because the um, um, the rally happened uh, uh, close to the White House by the, uh, uh, well, it was actually at the Ellipse, and then there was a spillover crowd over by the Washington Monument. And so the crowd then went up um, Pennsylvania Avenue, um, and they, uh, you know, the side that was closest was the west side, which is where the inaugural stand was being built. And, uh, you know, I personally, I, I, I just think that that's why, uh, you know, the west side was the first side that they got to. Now, in Matt's case, he actually had gone back to his hotel room. Um, and, you know, was not a uh, part of that initial crowd that went there. And um, he was aware that there were supposed to be, uh, you know, some other um, um, rallies going on in between the Supreme Court building and uh, the Capitol. And it's the uh, the the east side. the The Supreme Court building faces the east side of the uh, Capitol, mm -hmm. and so that's why when Matt went there, he took a route to take him to the east side. And to to get some sense of this, let, let's let's go back in time to when Matt made a decision to go to the Trump rally. Uh, did he go as part of a group or did he do this just himself? Uh, what were his circumstances? Uh, he's a, he's a contract engineer for the energy department. 
uh, in Los Alamos, uh, New Mexico, a beautiful community, a, a beautiful place. Uh, what, what prompted him to do it? Well, he saw um, the, the tweet from uh, President Trump um, uh, that was on, I believe it was December 19th. Right. Um, and, you know, he um, wanted to exercise his uh, First Amendment right to show support uh, to the president. And so he uh, completely on his own uh, booked a ticket um, that same day uh, to come to Washington. Uh, he arrived here on uh, January 5th and left on January 7th. And his sole purpose in coming here was uh, to attend the rally to show support to the president and vice president. And so um, he was not a part of any group. Uh, he came here alone. Uh, he did not meet up with anybody while he was here, um, you know, apart from just casual um, um, interaction, you know, with, with other people. Uh, he did not collaborate with anyone, and he was uh, simply uh, a citizen here to um, express his, you know, First Amendment rights. Yeah. I, it, and he was working at Los Alamos, uh, the energy department facility uh, there. Uh, actually, he was uh, he was actually working for a contractor um, and uh, it was a contractor that was uh, uh, basically stationed at a different site. But uh, uh from the main site in Los Alamos. Yeah, and and uh, you know the 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 contractor then would uh, their business collaborated with the lab. It, it really was uh, mischaracterized uh, as him working for the lab because he didn't. Okay, uh, and so and his does he have a family? Does uh, what are his personal circumstances? Well, his personal circumstances are that uh, he's a single man. Um, his uh, brother and mom uh, live in Albuquerque, and uh, you know, I they're they're his main support system. Right, and and suddenly he's back on the seventh of January uh, after going to the rally. Uh, and when does he learn that the federal government has a strong interest? in convicting him of these misdemeanors? Well, when, um, you know, his uh, employer knew that he was going to be uh, coming, uh, his supervisor knew that. Right. And so, uh, I mean, it was no secret. Um, you know, he, he did not come to sure. Washington with any ill will or any ill intention. And uh, so it's not as though there was some sort of uh, some sort of a secret thing. And then when events uh, unfolded as they did in um, in Washington on the sixth, uh, you know, uh, of course, his um, uh, supervisor knew uh, that he had been here and um, 
after he got back to New Mexico on the next work day, he let his supervisor know that he had been inside the building. And of course, uh, that then got reported, uh, you know, to security. And uh, it was at that point that, um, you know, he was uh, contacted uh, by the FBI, which was then when he contacted me. And um, after we sat down and, and talked about everything, um, it didn't appear to, to me, uh, and certainly not to him, uh, that he had done anything wrong, you know, which ultimately was borne out uh, at, by the end of today. And so um, we fully cooperated with the FBI. Um, we met with them um, uh, on January 15th um, and provided them with all the information they wanted. And, you know, part of the reason why I said that uh, I was surprised that he was charged is that, you know, despite having all of that information, um, they, um, uh, he didn't get charged then until um, April 22nd. My goodness. Uh, you know, I, I have to say this looks political from beginning to end throughout. Uh, does it seem to you to be outright political? What are your thoughts as defense attorney and a very good one when you were dealing with prosecutors uh, and the way they behaved, the conduct of your client? You are have to be well known to the FBI, uh, to law enforcement uh, with your career. Uh, this just your thoughts. How political is this? Well, you know, I never really have looked at this uh, so much through that lens as I have through a factual lens. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I just believed and uh, it, it turned out correctly. Uh, I just believed that the facts would speak for themselves. And so you know, we did not approach this case from uh, a political point of view, um, you know, because uh, a, 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 a person um, uh, should be held uh, accountable for what they do and not what they think. And so, um, you know, there's a difference between thought and action. And um, we felt strongly that Matt's actions were lawful. And uh, so that was our approach on the case. And when Matthew has talked to you throughout this, and I mean, you were obviously involved from the very, almost the inception. Uh, what does he think about uh, January 6th itself and all that has exploded from that, uh, that one day? Well, Matt, uh, Matt had, um, you know, a very positive experience uh, at, at the rally. Um, he had uh, a positive experience on his way to, uh, you know, to the Capitol. Um, it was, um, uh, you know, before anybody reached the Capitol, uh, it, it was, you know, from his perception and his experience 
uh, it was a, uh, you know, a, 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 a festive event. And so, um, you know, he, you know, he enjoyed that part of it. Um, and then once he um, made his way to the Capitol, um, I mean, by the time he got there and unbeknownst to him, uh, you know, Congress had recessed and um, the, uh, the building itself had already been breached, but it was breached from the west side. Um, and so when, when he made his way around to the east side, um, you know, there, and, and the judge observed this as well, there were um, police officers on the uh, north steps on the Senate side uh, of the east side. And, um, you know, uh, nobody was telling uh, the people on the east side that they weren't allowed to be there. Um, when Matt then made his way up to uh, the, the center steps, um, he was up on, on that level uh, for a while. Um, you know, it, for anybody who would be facing the east side of the Capitol, the doors that that lead into the rotunda there are columns on each side and he was between the second and third column as you face the east side uh to the right the crowd then uh started um uh, migrating towards the door and then it was at uh by the time he got to the door you know he was just following the flow of the crowd and um you know part of the um, video that we presented in court, uh, we were able to locate uh, a camera angle that uh, showed the people coming in and then um, zoomed in on that. And, um, you know, it, it, was, it was clear from what we presented in court that uh, there was a, um, a Capitol policeman standing on um, uh, each side of the entrance, uh, each of them basically propping over a door. Now, you know, to be fair to them and unbeknownst to Matt, um, you know, uh, that, that door had been breached uh, previously and you know it's it's understandable that the uh, capital uh, policemen there, um, you know, by that point um, they couldn't keep people out, and so they were just trying to um, you know uh, see to it that things were peaceful. But from Matt's perception, uh, by the time he got up there, um, and and we were able to you know, zoom in on uh, this video. And, you know, what you saw was that uh, there, the, the Capitol policeman on nearest to him actually motioned with his left hand, you know, uh, signaling to, you know, in Matt's perception, come in. And then with his right hand, uh, the policeman extended that out um, you know, which once again, and, and the judge found, you know, that it was reasonable for Matt to have believed that that was an invitation to come in. 
um, once he was inside. Um, and, you know, I'm not telling any tales out of school. This was all presented uh, uh, in court. Right. Um, once he got inside, um, there, uh, there were nine uh, capital um, uh, policemen who uh, were standing in front of uh, the entrance to the Senate side off of the rotunda blocking that path. And uh, Matt saw them and, and was close to them. And um, none of them were telling people, uh, you know, to that they couldn't be there. Um, and, you know, by implication, since they were blocking that pathway uh, and not uh, saying anything, uh, you know, to the folks inside that they weren't permitted to be there, that they needed to leave, um, you know, I think Matt reasonably uh, drew the inference that it was okay for him to be in the rotunda. Right. Uh, now, uh, shortly after he got in there was when the Metro Police uh, came in um, on the other side of where Matt was and formed a line and then um, started herding people out, um, you know, towards the, the entrance door. And at that point, um, Matt left. And so it was, it was um, uh, pretty much that simple. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's what he did. At any point, was there a discussion? I, I mean, it sounds so, so casual. And indeed, as I look back on that, on that video that day at what we were watching, part of it, just as you said, looked like it was a, a walk in the park and other parts of it looked far more, uh, they, they were violent, but they were violent. There, there was plenty of violence that went on on the West side and that's undeniable. That, and how many people of the 800, uh, because it's interesting how difficult it is to get straight answers from our federal government on this. Uh, how many have been charged? I mean, do you have a sense of how many remain in jail? Uh, we have estimates uh, of that, but it's really peculiar how little regard there is on the part of the Justice Department uh, to informing the American people. Yeah, I, I can't speak to that because I, yeah. I don't know either. Did you have any problems getting all the information that you wanted from the Justice uh, Department? Well, um, the difficulty uh, was in in wading through the massive uh, amount of data that we were given access to. That that's what the real challenge was. Um, Is and, it? I'm sorry. Go ahead. And and you know, I I suspect uh, I, I would be surprised if. Other lawyers on the case uh, have not had the same experience. So as we th we know that they had to be thorough and search out that video, and why would it not have made some sense for the Justice Department to uh, dis uh, have a discrete section of videotape that pertains to your client? Uh, it could all be encoded. It's, there's nothing complicated about that in terms of digital editing that couldn't have been done. Uh, because inversely, 
when dumping video like that voluminous video that I, I, I mean, that's a stunning amount, uh, a video to try to go to just simply watch if it's entertainment, but for, for business and with a practical purpose, it, it's uh, looking for what effectively are needles and haystacks. It sounds like they were trying to intimidate you or get you to uh, give you the opportunity to miss something salient and very important to your client. Um, I think it would be fair to say that, um, given the fact, uh, I mean, basically what we did was, um, we poked around at different camera locations to look at, um, the footage. And part of the reason why we were able to, um, persuade the court uh, in terms of what Matt's actions were, uh, is that we basically strung together um, um, the videos uh, that showed Matt from uh, the time that he was on First Avenue heading down Constitution and then wrapping around uh, so that um, he, uh, you know, so that the judge was able the judge didn't have to speculate what he was doing, um, you know, because we, like I say, were able through a ton of work to um, isolate Matt uh, and chart his path. Matt uh, is in a difficult position simply because he had a he had a federal government clearance. Uh, he was doing contract work for the federal government. What is what is the possibility of having his uh, clearance reinstated now that he's been acquitted uh, and re returning uh, to his uh, previous job or one like it? Well, OK, so let's uh, let's split that into two separate questions. So the first thing is and I have done um, 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 substantial work uh, for clearances. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've been dealing with DOE clearances for probably 30 years. And, um, you know, uh, I don't think that it'll be difficult for him to get uh, uh, a clearance back because um, one of the things that, um, you know, affects uh, you know, when someone has criminal charges uh, from DOE's eyes is if you go to trial and you're acquitted, then, you know, that that clears the issue. So um, I don't perceive that um, that that's going to be an obstacle. Um, what we are hoping now at this point is that since he's been acquitted, is that he'll be hired back. He, he was at that job for 18 and a half years. Oh my gosh. And, um, you know, and, and he didn't get fired, um, until the charges were brought in April. And so we, uh, are hopeful that, uh, he'll be able to get his job back. And, you know, really at this point, uh, you know, that's, that's job one to try to get him, uh, of you know, to help him put his life back together because as you can well imagine, uh, this has uh, uh, turned it upside down. 
Yes. Uh, and if you will give him our best regards uh, and uh, our heartfelt congratulations uh, in, in, as he uh, starts putting his life back together, uh, the disruption of his life uh, over this period of time, the expenses of this in terms of uh, legal fees, uh, what it has cost him in terms of his income. Uh, can you give us a sense of, well, first of all, is he getting financial help of some kind? Is there fundraising going on to help those who've been charged here uh, with, in my opinion, absolutely an asinine pros uh, prosecution by the federal government uh, of, of uh, Matt? Well, um, I really can't speak to that without Matt's permission, you know, okay. and so um, I, I don't feel comfortable in addressing that issue, you know, except to say that, you know, it, it um, would be apparent to anyone that, uh, you know, the financial burden uh, uh, to, you know, I mean, basically, you know, even though the system is set up to where, um, you know, it's the government's responsibility to prove you guilty, you know, uh, practically speaking, this is the kind of case where we had to prove him innocent. Yeah, it, it really, it, that is well put. Uh, let me ask further uh, on the on the question of cost. And is there, do you know of, and not referring to your client, but do you do, do you know of an organization broadly that is raising money uh, to help those who have been caught up in this web, uh, much as uh, Matt was, certainly, uh, but who were uh, on the right side of the building, uh, if you will, who conducted themselves appropriately. And we all also, who watched uh, the events that day, saw police officers, if not waving uh, them in, almost welcoming them uh, just by their uh, body language uh, into the building. Is yeah. there such an organization? You know, uh, I think that there are some uh, groups out there that uh, raise funds, um, but um, I, I, I can't be any more exacting than, okay. sure. than that. We're looking at uh, a judge uh, in uh, McFadden who, I, based on my reading of what he did uh, today and how he conducted this trial uh, through argument, he was, as you put it, fair-minded, straightforward. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to be the result for a lot of people, depending on their uh, on the draw. Uh, what is your sense of what the country could do better here to avoid spectacles like this, where prosecutorial, you and I have agreed on the term zeal, prosecutorial zeal overwhelms uh, really uh, honorable conduct, I think, on the part of the legal profession, uh, and certainly the prosecutors uh, I, I'm referring to. Yeah, I really don't have the answer to that. Um, you know, I mean, looking at it from our perspective, all that we can do, um, you know, all that we could do in this case was to defend Matt. And so I I, I really don't know. Uh, certainly. Uh, well, will the outcome of today's events, will it uh, affect other cases Will it influence the proceedings? Uh, will it leaven, if you will, prosecutorial zeal? Well, um, I mean, I certainly hope that, um, um, I, I, I mean, one, one of the things 
that I think this case illustrates is that these um, these prosecutions are not a one size fits all uh, kind of a proposition. And so my hope uh, for other people who whose conduct is similarly situated to Matt's uh, is that uh, there would be a, um, you know, um, uh, a closer attempt uh, to to ferret out uh, cases, uh, you know, like Matt's that, you know, as I said at the beginning, I, I frankly was surprised that they ended up charging him uh, based on what his conduct was. Well, he made a terrific choice of uh, attorney uh, and representation uh, in Dan Cron, and uh, we appreciate you. Uh, sharing your thoughts uh, with us here today. I know it's been a long day for you. We appreciate yeah. your time. Uh, and uh, again, our, our, our best uh, to, to Matt uh, with our congratulations. And uh, thank you so much for being with us. We have a tradition on this, uh, on this podcast. We give the guest always the last word. So I'll turn to you for that, Counselor. Oh, well, um, I, I, I guess all I can say is that... Um, we're uh, just grateful that we had um, the opportunity to present our case and that uh, Judge McFadden uh, listened intently. And, um, you know, for anybody who was in that courtroom and listened to the judge's decision, um, he spent a long time um, um, giving the specific findings of fact, um, and they were all based in the evidence. And so we're just at the end of the day, grateful that we've come to the end of this odyssey. And, um, you know, at, at, at this point, um, we, we just want for Matt to get his life put back together. Dan Cron, thanks so much for being with us. And our, again, our best to Matt. Thank You're you. And God bless. Thank you. And I'll pass that along. God bless you, Dan Cron. Thank you, everybody, for being with us today. A bit of a footnote on the prosecutions of hundreds of our fellow citizens and what we can expect in the weeks and months ahead as these clearly political persecutions of Americans continue. In Matthew Martin's acquittal today, justice was served. But as you heard his attorney's account, Matt was fully cooperative with the FBI had video proof of his lawful behavior and his orderly conduct on January 6th. And three months after they interviewed him, they charged him still with four misdemeanors, amounting to trespassing and disorderly conduct. Politico's Josh Gerstein reported Judge McFadden said of Martin that his conduct that day was as, quote, minimal as I can imagine, end quote. Judge McFadden has given short probation sentences to defendants when DOJ prosecutors were asking for jail terms, and the judge has questioned prosecutors for bringing charges at all against nonviolent defendants. We thank you, Judge McFadden, for being fair. Hundreds of cases remain, and as we learn today, the list of cases will grow by hundreds of more cases, thanks to so-called citizen sleuths, sedition hunters, as they call themselves, online sleuths. 
but they are likely to also be left-wing activists. And now DOJ is asking for millions more for its budget to add more lawyers and to continue their investigation for what could be years more. We all know what the DOJ has become, what the FBI is, and only a powerful commitment to reform and a purge of ideological motives will ever make the department worthy of the word justice and its name again. Elections have consequences, and Republicans and independents have seven months to invest their energy and time to restore integrity and security to our elections. Only our direct involvement and participation as active citizens will assure those much-needed reforms. And here tomorrow, one of the strongest, uh, most fearless advocates for our constitutional republic. She's pro-life, she's America first, and she speaks her mind. Our guest is Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Please be with us. We want to invite you to sign up for our Great America Show Advisory and Newsletter. Simply go to lewdobbs.com, that's lewdobbs.com, and click on the email newsletter button. It's as simple as that. And we'll send you our advisories and alerts as well as our weekly newsletter. I don't want to overstate anything, but I'm pretty sure you will absolutely sense at least a small positive change in your world outlook. We invite you to join us and stay in touch. Thank you. That's ludobs.com. Thanks. God bless you. And God bless America.